Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, carried live on 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery, the only program in America that is on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. It's great to have you with us. We're taking you on the road tonight once again down to Asheville, North Carolina. It is our second show from the semi-annual conference of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. What a great organization. APNC.org. They've been around, gosh, almost 60 years. In the next two hours, you're going to meet some of the leaders in the area of addiction treatment and recovery here in the great state of North Carolina. We're going to start off with an amazing woman. I had the opportunity to meet her at lunch, and then we followed up with an interview. She's from the state of Utah. Her name is Shannon Egan. Now, she's a very impressive young lady. She's been in long-term recovery for over seven years, and she did it not in a 12-step program, but through an alternative pathway to recovery. I think you'll really be impressed with her story. And then we're going to sit down with Michael Carroll. He's a pretty interesting guy. He's the business development manager of Treatment Management Behavioral Health. They have over a half dozen treatment locations all around the country. And then the delightful Heather Panapinto, who started a very successful program called Still Standing, and she'll tell you all about it. Then in our second hour... We've got some excerpts for you from two of the inspiring plenary sessions here at the APNC conference. Cynthia Moreno-Tui is one of the leaders and legends in this field of addiction counseling. She'll share an update on professional development and advocacy efforts. She is the executive director of NADAC, and that's the National Association of Addiction Professionals. And then we'll hear a little more from Killian No, who kicked off this wonderful conference with her remarks on transforming ourselves and transforming our recovery community. We're going to take a quick time out, then be back on the other side with Shannon Egan. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. On the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Our focus tonight is down here in North Carolina at the APNC semi-annual conference. We will be right back. These days, we talk about everything. I've been sober now one year, three days, and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and the cards for the new normal. New Journeys cards from Hallmark. My girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate. Encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today. I actually found a card that says, sorry you lost your job. Journeys, new cards with real words for real life. Only at today's Hallmark Gold Crown stores. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. And the focus certainly is on recovery down here in Asheville. Uh, We're broadcasting from the annual conference of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. APNC.org is their website. 
It's up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, a beautiful, beautiful area, and some great people here. There's probably 250 people from the Carolinas who are working on the front lines of addiction. And one of the presenters at this conference is Shannon Egan. I met Shannon yesterday. Shannon is from Salt Lake City, Utah, and she talks about multiple pathways to recovery. As we all know, there are many, many ways that people can find their way into the recovery process. And Shannon, nice enough to join us to talk about what she's been doing, her presentation, and perhaps uh, some some new things about developing pathways into recovery. Shannon, welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me about your presentation. I, unfortunately, I did not get a chance to, to hear it because I was doing interviews. My presentation was on multiple pathways to recovery. It's a topic that I'm super passionate about because... Why? Well, so I have seven years in recovery. Congratulations. When I got into recovery, you know, as they say, I did it on my own, mm -hmm. which, you know, some people don't like that terminology. But what I mean by that is I didn't do a 12-step or treatment right. program. I grew up in a very strict religious upbringing in Salt Lake City, Utah, 70% um, of the population there is Mormon. I kind of felt that growing up I struggled with feeling that I was oppressed to follow a certain path. A lot of systematic bullying going on in Utah. Within the Mormon <clears throat> yes. culture. Yes. And there are a lot of people that actually want to find their own path, but they're not supported by the community in Utah to do that. There's, mm -hmm. you know, that bullying that goes on, that peer pressure to conform. So... When I was early in my recovery, I had begged the judge after I got my third DUI, which was a felony in Utah, I said, I, I can't do 12-step. Because any time I would go to a meeting earlier when I was struggling with my addiction, it reminded me a lot of my strict religious upbringing in that there was a book that we had to follow, like a book of scripture. There were certain Similar rules. to the Book of Mormon. Exactly. Um, and people were highlighting it in red and... You know, it's like, these are the rules, everybody's following them, this is the one and true pathway to recovery. Just like religion, where people are saying this is the one and true pathway to God. So I really needed to be able to self-direct. For me, it was important that I self-direct my own path. When I got my second DUI, I was denied by the judge, and I was court-ordered to attend AA groups. And I do think that on the AA website, it's listed that there's over 100,000 people in America every year court-ordered through the treatment system and the court system to attend this specific recovery support system. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of harm in that. There's a lot of people who want a non-spiritually based recovery support or treatment, or they might be atheist, or you know, so they're being forced to attend a, a program that doesn't work for them. So what did Shannon do? Finally, when I got in recovery, luckily my lawyer, who was advocating for me, was a person in recovery from both addiction and religion. He had grown up Mormon and had left the church. So he understood. He said, I'm going to advocate for you to go to individual counseling instead, which finally by my third DUI, they let me do that. I spent the first two years of my recovery working on the self, trying to heal from some of the trauma. I used to work as a journalist in Sudan, and so Sudan was in the middle of genocide and civil war. So I was struggling with a lot of PTSD, yeah. too and needed some support to heal from that. So, How long were you in Africa? Um, a little over two years. Mm. So, But I was very young. During your drinking yes. days? Well, it's funny because I went to Africa to sober up. And, <laughs> Talk and about to, a geographic. Holy smokes. Yes. And, and to escape 
from the Mormons. Wow. Yes. I thought, well, as a young person, my big dream in life, I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have children. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to go to Africa because I love wildlife. And I thought, oh, this is my chance. And chose a place that they were desperate to bring in teachers because it was listed as the third most dangerous country in the world at this time by Forbes magazine. And I just thought it sounded like such an adventure. Good so, for you. So I went over there and ended up writing for the UN as a freelance journalist. The reason why I chose Sudan specifically was it was governed by Sharia law, the strictest form of Islamic law. So you can't have a drink there. They don't sell alcohol, supposedly. So I thought, oh, I can live out my dream and sober up while I'm there. But, of course, when, once you meet the expat community, they're smuggling all this kind of stuff in. How bad did your drinking get? It was so bad um, to the point where, I mean, I ended up working as a stripper in Salt Lake City, Utah. Not that that's a shameful thing, but that was not in my plan. It's hard for me to imagine a stripper in Salt Lake City. You know, again, <laughs> oh, yeah. given the Mormon it's, background, it's like, Oh, for sure, wow. for sure. <laughs> It, you know, it was a setback because I, after Sudan, I moved to New York and wrote for the UN over mm. there. And then I had a book deal, well, a literary agent who was helping me to get a book deal about my experiences in Africa. And she just said to me, you're an alcoholic, that you're not ready to write this. So wow. I lost that book deal, lost the job, went and stripped in Utah. I was to the point where I had to have it every day when I woke up, even a mm. few shots to... Yeah. You know, numb the physical, mental, sure. emotional pain that I was sure. feeling. So, How difficult was it <clears throat> stopping on your own? It was extremely difficult. Did you have support? I Yes, my family was very supportive. My family, regardless of everything that we've been through, they were super supportive. I couldn't have done it without them. So I detoxed in jail. After I crashed a car the night I got my felony DUI, my parents' car, and almost hit the car in front of me. So I swore, I came to behind the wheel, swerved, crashed into a ditch. Cops found me. And then when I read the police report, it said that basically I was trying to escape the cops. I had my... You know, I was like trying to drive. They're like, no, no, get out of the oh. car. And that I would, they said that I was combative. And it, you know, shows sure. kind of, I was a volatile drunk. And Shannon Egan joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. She's from Salt Lake City talking about multiple pathways to recovery. So you detox in jail in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. And then you realize you've got to do this. And it's got to be Shannon's program. Yes. I knew that I needed to find a way to recover without the 12 steps, which was always being shoved down my throat. But when I came to in jail, I, I remember sitting there thinking, okay, well, when I get out, I'm going to have one more drink. Just one more. That's it. And then I was like, oh, wow. You know, here I am. My lawyer's telling me over the phone that I could be facing up to a year, and I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to get that one more drink. And that's when I knew that I was an addict, that I needed help, and that was the beginning, and it was just trying to figure out how to do that, so I got the counseling, and then, um, so about two years into my recovery, I found USERA, which is a recovery community organization in Utah, and they do kind of what these, you know, educate, celebrate, advocate, and promote addiction recovery and recovery community. What is the name of the organization? USERA. It's U-S-A-R-A. -A. It's Utah Support Advocates for Recovery ah, Awareness. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You know, we, we throw all these acronyms around in this field it's like alphabet soup unless we define I'm a big supporter of language supporting what we say how did you find them 
Well, uh, about two years in my recovery, because I w- was really isolated in those two years, yeah. you know, getting support, doing a lot of journaling, a lot of creative writing, mental imagery is part of my recovery path, uh, which is used in sports psychology. But it was a very lonely and isolating process. And I lived in a lot of fear that somebody would find out that I was this addict and Google me and find all these mugshots online. So I just blasted myself on Facebook. I said, listen, I'm a felon. I am somebody who struggled with this. I, you know, I hope that you won't judge me. And then it just literally the next morning I woke up, all these people all around the world, it was shared. And then I had a friend who said, I know this organization took me to you, Sarah. And the executive director, Mary Jo McMillan, said, I have a feeling about you. Do you need a job? And I was looking for a job with purpose and meaning. Wow. Wow. And I ended up working as the development director and realizing that there was a lot of pressure to conform within the recovery community. Similar to my upbringing, people at USERA would say to me, there's no way you were an addict or an alcoholic because you didn't do the 12 steps. You didn't do service in your first two years of recovery, and that's impossible. And I'm like, well, I kind of service served myself. I nurtured my inner child, which is something I hadn't done my whole life. And that's how I looked at it. I felt very isolated once I got there, too, because I was separate from the group. So that's when I started becoming a passionate advocate for educating about multiple pathways. There are millions of people recovering just like me. So through creative writing, uh, mental imagery, cognitive restructuring, these are all activities that you can do on your own, that you can educate yourself through books. And there are evidence-based wellness practices. When I was in the recovery community in Utah working, we got really involved in the Comic-Con. Oh my goodness, really? Yes. Oh, that's a trip. (laughs) So one of of the guys there is in recovery, and he was just giving out hundreds of tickets to us and said, here, here's a sober social activity. I want you to get the recovery community here. So I became like the resident cosplayer in Utah for the recovery community. And that became a form of recovery support for me, creativity and creating my costume and Edward Scissorhands and, you know, just a lot of really fun things. What I try to talk about is how creativity can enhance our well-being. Shannon Egan joining us uh, Recovery Coast to Coast tonight. We are at the uh, the conference in Asheville, North Carolina, APNC. Uh, a, a really a- exciting conference. When you talk about the multiple pathways to recovery at conferences like this, with presumably a lot of people who are in AA, what kind of reaction do you get? Um, it's been mixed. I think for the most part, people are very open-minded, and I think they're hungry for something like yeah. this. I, From what I have heard and seen within the 12-step community, there are t- it's the same within the religion in U- Utah. Mm-hmm. Even though 70% of the population is Mormon in Utah, there's so many people that are not in agreement with how it's being run, the church and the doctrine and right. all of that. And that's what I'm finding in the 12-step community as well. People are hungry for permission mission to find other alternative methods right. and so they come to to my presentation and they're just like yes we're ready for this and there's sometimes where I've had people walk out or come talk to me after you know I share my experience mm-hmm. with the religion too so there's been Mormons in the crowd and they'll be like uh, listen oh. so but I love that I think that's why we're here and my I don't believe in that my opinion is fully correct it's just my... It is for you. It is for me, but it might not be for somebody right, else. Right. And I make, I'm make i okay with them having space for sure. their beliefs and their trauma because I think that's what I try to educate about is that using my experience to say, 
trauma has led me to choose the path to recovery that I chose. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have a strict religious upbringing, 12-step may have worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. So it has, it's nothing personal. It's not that it doesn't work. It's not that it's not amazing. It's just that based in, on my trauma and experience, it didn't work for yeah. me. You are not against AA. You are for Shannon and Shannon's program. It has worked for you for seven years, and it'll keep working today and hopefully tomorrow and as the days unfold. How do you enhance your recovery today? That is such a good question. How do I enhance? I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this, but so I'm a little over seven years in recovery, but I am finding that it's because when I got into the movement, I've been going so hard for five years and, you know, I'm a grant writer. So I, so I get to consult for recovery organizations across the U.S., mm -hmm. writing about peer services and advocating for funds from SAMHSA and I've learned so much, but I think I'm at the point in my recovery where I don't necessarily want to lead with that in my entire life, in my work life, right, right. in my play life. I'm right. look, I'm seeking more of a balance. So I'm. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I think I want to get back into journalism, and nice. um, I'm still working on writing, and and I want to be a powerful storyteller, mm. and that's probably what I'm going to do to support my recovery best. What do you say to someone who may be listening who's struggling with recovery and 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 for them, AA doesn't work. What do they do? Such a good question. I would say that there are so many types of support groups out there. If you're in a city, I would Google recovery supports in whatever city or state you're in. There's smart recovery. There's a lot mm -hmm. of cognitive-based recovery support programs. So we have smart recovery, life ring. The people are doing yoga and recovery, fitness and recovery, and it's happening all across America. So really all I would do is Google that. Just know that you're not alone and that your pathway is valid no matter what it is and what it looks like and there is support for it. Shannon Egan joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. One last question. How has your writing enhanced your recovery? Have you used writing as part of your recovery process? Yeah. I'm not talking about grant writing, but I'm talking about free-flowing writing. Yes, um, writing is my number one path to recovery. Mm. I literally, when I got out of jail and you said, how hard was it to right, recover? Right. It was so hard. I was so pissed because people are like, oh, you know, take it a day at a time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't even take it a few minutes at yeah, a time. Yeah. It's, it was so painful. So I have always been a writer. I love to um, write out my feelings, my thoughts, my goals, my passions. Poetry? Um, not poetry. Mm -hmm. Mostly I'm more into just kind of, um, well, and writing like cognitive restructuring. Mm -hmm. So instead of focusing, they say we have 60,000 thoughts a day and 95% are all the same. So I used a lot of cognitive restructuring. So when I was going towards the court to see the judge for my felony DUI, I would write out thoughts like, well, what if the judge had compassion for me? What if the judge was lenient on me? What if I found myself in this recovery journey? What if it wasn't Positive so scary? Positive mm -hmm. imagery, yes. Wow. Yeah, and that, so I, and I, I would do that through the written word. And I have countless journals just filled with that kind of stuff. I'll bet you do. So. Well, I wish you well in your future and in, in getting back into journalism or doing whatever is right for Shannon. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Shannon Egan joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, we're down here in Asheville, North Carolina at the Addiction Professionals Conference. So we're going to take a short time out, back with more right after this. We now join the new Diet 7-Up Taste Challenge already in progress. Okay, I want you all to try this, and then just say the first thing that pops in your head. 
amazing. Yeah. Mm, totally. <laughs> mm, there's more flavor. Yeah, more natural flavor. Mm -hmm. More lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, you're both right. There's more natural lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, the lemon-lime flavor is totally... Zesty. Zingy. Zippy. With zero calories. What is it? Yeah. New Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up is new? Yeah, it's been totally reinvented with mm. more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. It's totally refreshing. I love I know. it. I Oh, and it's diet, too? And where's the aftertaste? Now, yeah. that is refreshing. <laughs> Here's to more flavor in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Try new Diet 7 Up now with more natural lemon lime flavor than ever. Diet 7 Up, totally reinvented, totally refreshing. Stop in to your nearest grocery or convenience store today and pick up the new Diet 7 Up. Diet 7 Up has been totally reinvented and still has zero calories. Taste the new refreshing burst of lemon lime flavors in Diet 7 Up today. Welcome back, everybody, to Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. We are here in beautiful North Carolina, up in Blue Ridge Mountains, broadcasting from the annual conference of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. Delighted to be down here. There are so many wonderful treatment programs that uh, are exhibiting here and sponsoring the program, and so many wonderful people that uh, I get a chance to meet. One of them is a guy by the name of Michael Carroll, and we've spent the last uh, 12 or 13 hours talking about the National Football League. So we're gonna we're gonna switch now and talk about the recovery field. Uh, he's a, he's a good guy. He's the business development manager for the Carolinas of an organization called Treatment Management Behavioral Health. And uh, Michael's here to tell us about that. It's it's what five programs in three states. Correct. What's the genesis of all of that? How did it all begin? Okay, so it began by a uh, father son, uh, really. What ended up happening is the son entered treatment, wanted to uh, work in the field. Give and, back. Yeah, give back. What happened is he went to a center that he interviewed with, and they pretty much told him, you're hired, but we're suffering financially. He had to tell his father that. The father was a successful businessman. He was able to go in there and make an offer to purchase the place and, wow. and, turn, and turn it around. Because of that... Um, so he was hired and then bought the place. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Liked it so much, he bought it. Well, the son, you know, was, was told he would have a job, but, you know, we're going to close down in a couple of weeks oh, if we can't do anything wow. about it. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, the genesis of it and how it all started. And, and the rest is history. The, the programs are in Florida, Arizona, and California. In Florida, there's the Wellness Counseling and Residential Detox Services mm -hmm. and something called the Executive Recovery Center. Okay. Kind of fascinated by that. Tell me a little bit about that program. Okay, Executive Recovery Center is, is really more or less a PHP-type residential quasi-center, really more geared towards PHP. It's, it's for people that are, uh, I would say, later on in, in life, you know, more of a small setting. It's partial hospitalization. Okay. And and really it's, it's geared towards people that are yet business owners, uh, higher level uh, executives that may not relate to, you know, people that are mm -hmm. earlier, younger in life that haven't right. had those sort of successes in their life. What was know? the first program that uh, that you folks have had? As res wellness, residential, and detox was the first one that they came across. And that is the one where he went in, got a job, found out that it was going to be closing, and his dad bought it. What it. a great, great story. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, it's, it's quite phenomenal, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, then you, you get the Executive Recovery Center, mm -hmm. and then Arizona, Serenity, and Red Rock. Tell me about those programs. Similar story. You know, I guess not doing as well as they could have financially. Wanted to expand to other operations, other states outside the state of Florida. What is the core philosophy, treatment philosophy, of these programs? Okay, it's absence-based, mm. getting people into recovery, sobriety, 
giving him an opportunity new at life to uh, go through evidence-based treatment. What do you folks do for family members? More or less telemedicine in that aspect if they're going to be traveling, specifically from the Carolinas. Mm. Or if they do live, a lot of our core clients that do come in are uh, family members in Florida, Arizona, California, and they can help out in that manner. We go from Florida to Arizona to California and Mountainside, and you said that's down by Temecula. Yes, it's, it's in between San Diego and Los Angeles. And yes. tell me about that facility. You know, you got detox, residential, and also partial hospitalization, mm -hmm. IOP all connected with within that greater spectrum, so yeah. Treatment management, behavioral health, helping others lead a life of recovery, sobriety, serenity, and peace. That mm -hmm. certainly works for me. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how many total beds do you have? Uh, we're, we're in the 500s right wow. now. So, so, yeah, around there. Much lower than, you know, per operating center than, sure. than average. Any adolescent programs? No adolescents, no teens. We're looking at 18-plus substance abuse primary, mm -hmm. co-occurring conditions as well. With these five programs, what do you do for alumni, people who've been through each of these programs? Okay, so we have uh, alumni programs. We have a head of it. We track it. We do calls. We follow up continually with our alumni mm -hmm. to make sure that they're uh, doing all right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's pretty much ASAM best practices yeah. with that, in that regard. So, Do you have any activities for them at the different centers? Yeah, I know the Florida one's pretty active. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very active there in Martin County, mm -hmm. which is Stewart area, uh, Fort St. Lucie, Jensen Beach. You know, that's the one I had most experience with and have talked to the individuals and, and been able to see it. We're visiting with Michael Carroll. He's the business development manager for the Carolinas. He's also a guy in long-term recovery, so you know what you're talking about. A little bit, yeah. I mean, long-term, you don't have to say that. But, yeah, yeah seven years uh, will be if, if I make it to May 26. Well, which... you know, it's all about today. Exactly. Michael, it's exactly. all about today, and the person who got up earliest this morning has the most sobriety exactly. in my mind. Absolutely. Exactly. Is there a website where people can find out more about all of these programs? Uh, yeah, it's uh, tmbhhealth, I believe, uh, .com. You know, you can check it out, tmbehavioralhealth.com. So it's uh, TM for treatment management. TMBehavioralHealth.com, and you can find out about all of these uh, all of these programs. Uh, are you folks looking to expand even beyond the five? There is, you know, talks of it. Why would someone want to come to one of your facilities? Really to get away, I would say, from the Carolinas mm. to uh, get good treatment. Mm. So you're basically working in the Carolinas and then referring people to the, the five facilities that you folks are involved with. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from there, my main focus is to get people into solid IOP programs mm -hmm. and, and sober living facilities once they get back to the Carolinas. Well, in the Carolinas, is there, is there much available in terms of sober living? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, you know, in the Asheville area, a ton of options. Mm. Charlotte does have some options mm -hmm. as well. Uh, really phenomenal programs in both you know, the Charlotte region and Asheville region, which are the two I know yeah. more than anything else. Because, you know, when people talk about treatment, unfortunately, they think in terms of just the inpatient experience. Mm -hmm. The reality is that it's not aftercare, mm -hmm. it's continuing care. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the first few weeks, few months are inpatient, and, and then it begins the process of recovery. Recovery mm -hmm. is not 
uh, an event. It's not a destination. It's it's a process mm -hmm. where people continually get well. I don't like to use the term uh, relapse prevention. Yes. I like to use recovery enhancement. Yes. I want to know how your recovery is better today than it was yesterday. Yes. So the whole treatment process, it begins in outpatient, mm -hmm. but it extends way beyond that. And, mm -hmm. and certainly to have sober living opportunities is absolutely paramount so for so many people oh yeah you got you know accountability mm -hmm. you know focusing on the iop to you know just having that accountability holding them for the first years i i believe paramount you know making sure that they're going to meetings yeah uh, making sure hold them accountable that you know you're, you're going to be breathalyzed randomly or, or have drug tests right. you know I, I think that's important to you know making sure that you know they're held accountable as well to me is is the residents inside the sober living environment you know some of them are serious some of them aren't all the time so you, you got to keep the good ones in and and really where rubber meets the road is is that accountability aspect you know you get the fellowship from the 12-step meetings mm -hmm. uh, but from there you also have to have the fellowship that's within that core group and, and, absolutely and, and really you know you build lifelong lifetime relationships there you uh, you know you know build friendships that can can last a very long period and you know, brotherhood within the, yeah, within the, the brotherhood. The connections, absolutely. absolutely. Michael Carroll joining us. He's the business development manager for the Carolinas for Treatment Management Behavioral Health. And we were talking off the air a little while ago, and, and he said he said two names, uh, one name that, that made me stop and say, I want to talk to you because if this person is involved with your program, I want to know more about it. And that name is Andrea Barthwell. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Andrea. Yeah, you know, the background that she has, you know, with, you know, being very well respected. Yeah. And um, I worked with Andrea at the National Council on Alcoholism, and she is one of the, truly one of the top people in this field. And if she is involved with your program, you've got one hell of a program, my friend. Yeah, so she's the chief medical officer. Mm -hmm. um, she was brought on to give guidance in the clinical and medical realm of the programs. So you, you, know. you definitely have one of the best. And again, the, the programs are in Florida, Wellness Counseling and Re Residential Detox Services, and then the Executive Recovery Center. Where is that in Florida? Same thing. Everything's located in Martin County. All in Martin so, County. So they're, they're out of the Palm Beaches, uh, more out of the South Florida area, more or less in, in that area. Then if you're in the Arizona area, Serenity Care Center and Red Rock Addiction Treatment uh, company, uh, where are they in specifically in Arizona? Uh, Sun City, outside of you know, oh, sure. Phoenix. You know, nice more, area. Yeah, more or less. Uh, I think I believe you know it's really where they focused in on is yeah. kind of a step away from everything that's in the urban environment. Yeah, but still is is beautiful, nice, uh, appealing, and uh, not too far away from a major international airport. And then in California, you've got uh, Mountainside uh, Recovery Center, which is uh, pretty close to Temecula, which is between uh, San Diego and Los Angeles. Five excellent programs, a great medical director, and uh, a guy that really knows what he's talking about when he says that the quality of treatment is exceptional. And that's Michael Carroll. He's business development manager for the Carolinas for Treatment Management Behavioral Health. And again, you can find them online at tmbehavioralhealth.com.
The website yeah. is tmbehavioralhealth.com. Correct. Uh, Michael, thank you for your time, and I wish you continued success uh, one day at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you want to ever invite me to uh, talk football, I'd love to. <laughs> I will <laughs> do that next time around. Go Jaguars, go Knowles. Go Seahawks, actually. That's but anyway, <laughs> Michael Carroll joining us for a few moments on Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm yes. Neil Scott. We're going to take a short time out, back with more on the other side. Alcohol is running your life. You want help, but can't take time away from work to get it. Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown M Ranch outpatient programs have helped thousands recover from addiction without losing time on the job. Nationally recognized for innovative, effective, and affordable treatment programs, Sundown M Ranch will help you put your life back on track. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. I promise to hug my husband. I promise to eat a vegetable as big as my head. What promises have you made today? I promise not to paint the living room. American Family Insurance knows promises are easy to make. Until my wife picks out a color she likes. But they're not always easy to keep. At American Family, the commitments we make are commitments we intend to keep. Because our promises are the foundation of relationships we've built with generations of policyholders. I promise to take my dog for a walk. We promise to treat your family like our family and give you honest, straightforward answers. We promise. I like taking my dog for a walk. Visit AmFam.com to find an American Family Agent near you. American Family Insurance. All your protection under one roof. American Family Mutual Insurance Company and its subsidiaries. Home Office, Madison, Wisconsin. First, your child's heart rate and blood pressure will drop. Your child may experience nausea and want to sleep it off. Hopefully, your child will resist that urge and won't slip into a coma or die from this prescription painkiller overdose. Of course, kids who learn about the dangers of drugs from their parents are 40% less likely to abuse prescription drugs than those who don't. So talk to your child now, and there's a pretty good chance that this will never happen to your child. For more information, visit drugfree.org. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast. We are broadcasting from the Asheville, North Carolina area up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's at the annual conference of APNC. It is the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina, a wonderful, wonderful organization, and a great conference. Met a lot of really, really neat people. Uh, and, and joining us in the segment is Travis Herman. He's the National Clinical Liaison of Silver Ridge Recovery. Silver Ridge is part of Pyramid Healthcare, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm delighted to have Travis here. Travis, welcome to the program, first of all. Tell us about the Umbrella Organization to start off with, because I know you folks have a lot going on. Pyramid Health, tell me about that. Sure. So Pyramid Healthcare was started in 1999 as a uh, 16-bed Medicaid facility in Altoona, Pennsylvania. So we started our... Um, That's a long way away in Altoona. Yeah. Do you know where Altoona is? Yes. Okay, it's Central PA. And it was started by our CEO, uh, Jonathan Wolf. Mm-hmm. Our goal was to be able to serve folks throughout Pennsylvania um, with the head addiction uh, struggles and um, be able to serve the Medicaid population. Over um, that, uh, let's say, I guess, 18, 19 years now, um, we have added programs throughout Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and North Carolina. So, um, how many programs? I think, well, we go by locations, so mm-hmm. I think we're up to 86, maybe 87 wow. locations now, and, and that will soon include Atlanta, Georgia as well. 
Um, and then we have um, we have several organizations under that umbrella that specialize in different things. Mm -hmm. So I'll kind of start at the top and then walk through okay. each one. I won't get too nitty gritty. No, don't. Um, but uh, I'll explain each program. So Pyramid Healthcare um, is throughout Pennsylvania, and they provide adolescent and adult addiction treatment, outpatient and inpatient treatment, uh, all across Pennsylvania, uh, east to west. So Pittsburgh to to Philly. And then um, we have High Focus Centers in New Jersey, which is adolescent and adults. Um, when I say PHP and IOP, I mean partial hospitalization and, and intensive outpatient. For adolescents and adults, uh, for mental health and substance use throughout New Jersey. And we'll soon have um, uh, some programming in New Jersey for Medicaid individuals as well. And in-network, meaning um, uh, we accept commercial insurance. Sure. Um, Let's all, bring it down into North Carolina. Okay. So in North Carolina, we have uh, four programs here in Asheville currently. Um, so that is October Road, which started in 2006. Love the name. Well, Love do you know where it comes from? No. So it's uh, um, uh, James Taylor. Oh, yeah. oh, I, was thinking, I didn't think it was from that. I, I knew that song, but I didn't think it was from the song. Yep. No kidding. Yep. So that whole album and that song is about um, transformation, change, right, right. rebirth, regrowth. And so the founders of October Road um, felt that that was a, a fitting uh, name. Does James know about that? I don't know if he does or not. He so is in recovery. He's in recovery, and he has a history with Asheville. I may be getting this wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he did some treatment at Highland Hospital when it, here in Asheville. Ah, when it was okay. Still, okay. Uh, still around. So we have October Road, which serves adults, um, and we serve a variety of different adults there, and we take a variety of different um, uh, payers there, meaning we work with folks with no insurance. Mm -hmm. so Medicaid we, folks? We work mm -hmm. with, well, not even just Medicaid, so completely uninsured individuals. Oh. We work with an organization uh, called Via Health that manages um, state and government dollars set aside for uninsured individuals, providing them outpatient mental health and substance use treatment. And then we serve people with Medicaid, North Carolina Medicaid. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're also in network with a variety of insurances, commercial insurances as well. And we can also work with Medicare there at October Road. And it's a pretty robust program, outpatient mental health and substance use. So medication management, we have mm -hmm. psychiatrists and nurse practitioners on, on site, and then we do intensive outpatient treatment for substance use. And we also do assessments and refer to higher levels of care. So if somebody needs detox or inpatient treatment, we can assess and then make that referral. Be the bridge up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and the step down. Right. You know? So if they've, they've gone somewhere, they could come to us. And that's here in Asheville. There's a little satellite office up in Mars Hill, North Carolina, uh, because we have some assertive community treatment teams, which are, it's a multidisciplinary team, which in, includes a um, psychiatrist, licensed therapist, housing specialist, um, nursing, uh, substance use specialist, uh, vocational specialist. That whole team will wrap around an individual that has struggled with chronic mental health um, uh, struggles, typically bipolar, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder. Uh, the most acute individuals, and they help stabilize them out in the community so that they're not in and out of hospitals. Mm -hmm. um, so they they work as a as a team to support that individual. So we serve Buncombe, Henderson, 
Madison, Yancey, and Mitchell counties. So we have a five-county catchment for October. If you're just joining us, Travis Herman is our guest in this segment. He is the National Clinical Liaison, SilverRidgeRecovery.com, under the pyramid umbrella. Tell me about Silver Ridge. So Silver Ridge is unique. So Silver Ridge is a newer program. It's been open for about a year. So we've been doing addiction treatment for 19 years at Pyramid Healthcare, but Silver Ridge we developed specifically for the midlife adult. Now, Neil, how old are you? Midlife. Okay. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> so, My therapist said, how was your childhood? I said, so far, so good. <laughs> I'll use that one. Yeah. So um, midlife adult is a developmental stage. So we have uh, child adolescent or infant adolescent, um, young adult, teenage, young adult, midlife, and then senior. Mm. So what we found in the addiction field is that often programs specialize in age groups. So they do adolescent treatment sure. or they do young adult treatment. Or seniors. Or seniors. Mm -hmm. But the largest substance using population in our country, and it's the largest population in right. our country, is the midlife adult. Right, of course. Most programs, if they serve in adults, they just serve 18 and above. There are some organizations that serve seniors, or they'll call them boomer tracks or <laughs> uh, retired tracks. But gentlemen like yourself, yeah, who's yeah. still in the midlife developmental right. stage, you're not senior, you're not retired, you're still working, you're still right. engaged. You're probably not going to respond well to a treatment program focused for that age group, just like you wouldn't probably respond well or feel comfortable in a young adult program. Hopefully you would never be in a young adult program. Mm -hmm. And if you go to a treatment program that just serves 18 and above, you're going to be with folks that are not in your age range right. or developmental stage. Right. The other situation is you may have um, some period of sobriety and or maybe you've gone to treatment before and maybe that was a positive experience and you had some sobriety and some growth. Uh, but maybe you have experienced a life event and you have returned to use, and you need some support, or you need to go a little bit deeper. Is this an inpatient program? This is an inpatient program. So we developed Silver Ridge specifically for that age group. Typically, most folks are between the ages of 35 and 65. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll go a little under 35. Sometimes we'll go a little over 65 because, again, you can be over 65 and still be in midlife. Right. You can also be... 32, have been working for 10 or 12 years, have a profession, have children, uh, be married, and you've met some developmental milestones. Mm -hmm. So, um, but if you're 36 and living in mom and dad's basement and you haven't progressed through those, you're probably not the right fit for Silver right, Ridge. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So all that to say, Silver Ridge is, uh, only serves 15 people at a time, and it's specifically for midlife adults. Men and women? Men and women, mm -hmm. yeah. And what is the length of stay? So our minimum length of stay is 35 days. Our average length of stay is 45 days. But we have a 90-day lecture series. So if somebody stayed longer, they wouldn't re-experience uh, a lecture. And we don't use like a workbook system. So it's not just a repeat once you hit day 31. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, also, being that small um, allows us to be very individualized in the there's several programs that, that use that term, um, and, and there are some good programs out there that, that do provide some individualized treatment. But um, when you're that small, it really allows you to be flexible. So, you know, you might be an entrepreneur or a business person who's struggling with recovery. Taking 45 days off of work yeah. to go to treatment um, would 
negatively impact your business, your family, your employees, your life, your life. So we actually have a system set up um, where folks can have access to technology during specific times, and it's very um, structured and supported. Um, and so folks can continue to do some work requirements while they're with us. Conversely, if it becomes distracting or triggering, we might have a conversation about how maybe doing work right now isn't the best thing. Maybe you need a break. So everyone is individually treated. Yes, correct. Outstanding. And it's uh, Silver Ridge Recovery, and it, it is in what part of North Carolina? So it's in Mills River, mm-hmm. which is just seven minutes past the Asheville Airport. Oh, okay. So we say Asheville, but it's it's technically Mills River. Right, right. Yeah. What about family? What do you do for the family? So we have a uh, monthly family workshop, and we actually invite the family on site. Some programs have the family separate. We want them engaged in in the treatment experience so they can see what folks are looking at. Silver Ridge is very nice. Aesthetically, it's very beautiful. We have an executive chef that can meet any of your dietary needs, queen-size beds. So aesthetically it's very pleasing right but when families call when the when people uh, that are being served call home they're not really talking about um the nitty gritty therapy stuff they've been working on they'll say oh i got to go to equine therapy today and the horses are great and chef nan cooked a a perfect (laughs) steak and so the family sometimes interprets that this is like a spa retreat type silk sheet facility right when we invite them in for family therapy or, or the family workshop, they're actually engaging in that process, and then they see the the level of work these individuals are doing. And there's about 40 to 50 hours of clinical work uh, that folks are doing per week, and it's a it's a variety of um, experiential and process group, um, as well as two individual sessions minimum a week, plus a family session. So in addition to the family workshop, there's a, a family session. And um, and then uh, the experiential therapy, so equine therapy, mindfulness and meditation, nice. trauma-sensitive yoga, and horticultural therapy. We try to hit a bunch of different ways of learning. So there's tactile, there's lecture, there's process, there's individual. We try to hit every single one of those. Sounds like an amazing, amazing program. And if you want to find out more about this, again, I encourage you to go to silverridgerecovery.com. It is under the umbrella of Pyramid Health. They've been doing this for 19 years. They know what the hell they're doing. I thank you so very much, Travis, for taking time to give us an update. Can I mention two other things really quick? Oh, sure. I won't get in in detail. We also in Asheville have Real Recovery, which is a young adult male structured sober living program. So that would be after primary treatment. And then we have Tapestry Eating Disorder uh, Treatment. So we do... Is that new? Tapestry is not new. Um, i trying to remember when they started. Uh, I should know this. And, and they've been around for quite some time. Mm. But they just joined our organization a year ago in July. Uh, okay, so and they're new to Pyramid. Yes. Okay. Uh, but they provide adult and adolescent inpatient and outpatient eating disorder treatment. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And that's all going on in Asheville. Yeah, so we had the Tapestry has three locations, um, an outpatient in Asheville, mm-hmm. adolescent residential and outpatient in Fletcher, and then their original residential program in Brevard, North Carolina. A lot of good stuff going on down here. A lot of good stuff. Travis Herman is the National Clinical Liaison for Silver Ridge Recovery. Uh, And again, silverridgerecovery.com is the website. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Neil. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. A short time out. We'll be back with more right after this.
These days, we talk about everything. I've been sober now one year, three days, and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and the cards for the new normal. New Journeys cards from Hallmark. My girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate. Encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today. I actually found a card that says, sorry you lost your job. Journeys, new cards with real words for real life. Only at today's Hallmark Gold Crown stores. She has always been your baby, but when your daughter got into drugs and alcohol, she turned into a stranger. What do you do? Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized youth treatment program guides young people back to a life free of drugs and alcohol. All treatment is gender specific and directed by caring certified professionals in a safe environment. You can get your daughter back and get to know her again. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Your daughter's wasted. Again. You ignore it. You get help. Before long, she's been arrested. Before long, she's been promoted. You post bail. You congratulate her. And then her addiction really takes off. And then her career really takes off. She stops in from time to time for money. She stops in from time to time for coffee. But then it's right back to the street. But then it's right back to the office. Years later... The police stop by. Years later, your daughter and son-in-law stop by. They've got bad news. They've got good news. She's gone. She's expecting. You cry. Choose to help a loved one struggling with drugs or alcohol. It could change everything. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Here is something to think about. Problem gambling is exactly that, a problem. Looking for a solution? Well, there is a way out. And there is help for you or someone you love who's caught in the web of problem gambling. Help is as close as your phone. Call the Washington State Problem Gambling Helpline, one 800 522 4700. For confidential help and free information, call a real winning number, 1-800-522-4700. They have the solution for problem gambling. Welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. We're down here at Asheville, North Carolina, broadcasting from a wonderful conference. It is the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. We've been down here, met a lot of great people, uh, and found out about a lot of really interesting and unique programs. And thinking of Elton John, I'm Still Standing. There's a program that is still standing. It is called Still Standing. Heather Panapinto is joining us from that program. Heather, first of all, welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast. Secondly, you're a person in long-term recovery. I am, four and a half years. Um, I went into recovery October 30th of 2013. What was your bridge to recovery? Did you go through treatment? I did. Where? Uh, Wilmington Treatment Center in Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. And and tell me about the first year after your treatment and what that first year was like. Because that's that's very pivotal in a person's long-term recovery. That was a hard year. I had to learn how to deal with my feelings without numbing them and that was really hard um i had a um some childhood adversities um my parents split up when i was uh younger um my dad was not around a lot so there was a lot of neglect on his part um and that first year i'm you know, I'm not going to say it was perfect. I slipped up several times. I, I don't want to call it a relapse because that to me wasn't a relapse. But, I might, I, you know, I would slip up. But each time I slipped up, 
my conscience was telling me, what are you doing? Um, you know better than this. So you had an inner voice that was helping you along the path to stay on the path. Right. Despite the slip-ups. Heather, tell me about this program still standing and I, I know it's a it's a mission of the Red Oak United Methodist Church and for those like me that are geographically challenged in North Carolina uh, Red Oak is by Raleigh correct well it's in it's outside of Rocky Mount it is probably about 50 miles east of Raleigh mm-hmm. we're about two hours away from the coast but it's a small community a lot of stigma a lot of stigma in my county. I'm from Nash County. We, you know, people are very prideful of their last name. If, you know, something's going on within their family, it's very quiet. You know, people want to sweep it under the rug. They don't want to talk about it. And when I first got into recovery, the only thing that was available to me was like AA or NA. For some reason, I didn't, I didn't fit into the NAAA program. Right. I know they've helped millions of people. You found a different pathway to I your did, and, and it was uh, peer support. So I wanted to develop a program in my area that was geared to peer support. Mm. Instead what makes of, it unique? Well, we do, not do, we do not work on 12 steps. Right. We are more about giving each other support. We come together on Thursday nights for groups. We just sit at the table like we're sitting at a table with a group of friends. So you're still and sitting, ha- yeah. not still standing. You're right, still sitting. we're sitting. <laughs> sitting and sitting. <laughs> no, the still standing is like, you know, as much um, adversity as I've been through, you know, it's not knocked me down completely, and I was able to come back up, and I'm still standing. What, what do you do when stuff happens? Because when people find their way into recovery, it, it's a wonderful world recovery, but still stuff happens. You have life challenges. How do you deal with those in your personal recovery? Well, I tell you, in the, in the time that I've been in recovery, I've had three tragic events happen. And excuse me if I tear up because okay. they're very sensitive. It's okay. Um, in uh, 2013, my one of my youngest cousins and I had gone into treatment about the same time, and he was um, had a heroin issue. He was doing great for a couple of years, and in 2015, August of 2015, something happened. He had an over, you know, he started using again, had an overdose, and passed away. Oh. That didn't want to, I didn't want to go back and use at that point. I mean, I just I had seen what happened to Travis, and I knew that I had to be his voice somehow. Eight months later, you know, I was talking about my father. When I first went into treatment, I had to cut ties off with him for a little while because he was one of my triggers. And I loved my dad, but it was just one of those, he was a trigger sure. for me. So in April of 2016, April 18th, as a matter of fact, um, I get a knock on my door about 1.30 in the morning. and no, that's um, never good. Nope, and it's the wildlife officer standing there to let me know my father was in a boating accident and was missing. And that hit me. I just, I didn't, I didn't even know how to take it. I was in shock. Sure. And the one thing that I had really hated about him and what had kept him away, you know, he was a big fisherman. And thus, he died doing what he loved to do. But I didn't, you know, I didn't have any conversation with him in like two years. So 
I knew that I had to get some counseling. And so I went through, I got back in touch with my substance abuse or substance abuse counselor and went through eight weeks of grief counseling to keep me sober. Yeah, yeah. So you knew what to do. You had the tools in your toolbox and you used yeah. them. And yeah. You used them. What is, what is recovery like for you today, Heather? It's awesome. I've met some great, great people in this field. I became a peer support specialist, a recovery coach. I also work for RHA Behavioral Health as a peer support. I've recently taken on a position at work um, doing the SEOP program three days a week. They wanted a peer support person in with a counselor because they thought maybe having a peer support person in would help keep people into coming you know into the in their program every week and so and it has worked and I find that it keeps me accountable for them keeps me accountable for myself I'm also getting some treatment I look at it when I go in to stay out three days a week because not only do they learn something from me but I'm learning something from them tell me what say is substance abuse intensive outpatient okay. again we i mentioned this in my, in my my talk yesterday we use so many acronyms and we throw them around we know what they mean but people oftentimes that we're dealing with in the outside world don't and that's why i ask you to clarify right that. right yeah in we use same a lot with, of those letters right <laughs> in the same way with peer support specialists what does a peer support specialist do for people around the country who are wondering a peer support specialist i don't know that you would consider it kind of like a not really a sponsor it's just another peer who's been through a similar situation and who can relate and who can support and support when that's stuff right. when stuff happens what do you say heather and if you're just joining us heather panapinto is joining us uh, she's a peer support specialist uh in red oak north carolina somebody who is new and, and struggling during that first year what advice can you give them heather from where you've been and where you are now. The biggest thing is, because I know we're all, I mean, I, everyone I've talked to, the hardest thing for us to do is to reach out. You know, I had a hard time reaching out mm. um, because I was a person that kept feelings to myself, stuffed it all down, didn't want to bother anybody. It's important to have good natural supports around you, whether it's your your spouse, your parents, having mm. friends who who. Stay support you and stay connected. stay connected. Find a program that's going to work for you because I've learned during this, there are many, many pathways to recovery. Absolutely. And 12 steps, not the only way. It's one of the good ways to go, but there's several different ways to go. And so that's why I wanted to offer my area something a little different. But, you know, my program is almost coming up on a year in June. It's still small, but, you know, it is growing. Just before we sat down, there was another woman who was standing here who said something that I'd never heard before, and I'm going to embrace it, which is the opposite of addiction is connection. I agree. Isn't that wonderful? That is wonderful. I mean, that, that puts it into a, into a, nice, uh, a nice little saying uh, and something that people can relate to. And it's what you're talking about. It's talking about connection. Still standing is connecting people to one another in that recovery process so that we are not alone as individuals. We are together as, as a growing community in recovery. And I, I, I certainly support you and I salute you for still standing. I do have a Facebook page. So... Um, 
You can go to Still Standing of Nash County or just pull up Still Standing and it'll say Red Oak, North Carolina. Join our group. Heather Penapento is still standing and still sitting uh, at the tables uh, and still helping others connect one to another. Thank you so much for your time and sharing and, your story. And thank you for okay. having me. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. We are down here at Asheville, North Carolina, up in the Blue Ridge Mountains at the annual conference of APNC. That is the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. You have been listening to part one of Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, carried live on KHHO AM850 in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. We invite you to stay tuned for part two of Recovery Coast to Coast. If you've been in continuous recovery for at least a year and would like to share your story with others, please send us an email at recoverycoasttocoast at comcast.net. For more information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows, as well as find information on upcoming programs. This is KHHO AM 850 in Tacoma, Washington, broadcasting from Seattle. Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, carried live on KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome to our number two of Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery. I'm Neil Scott. We're going to be here uh, for the next hour. And what we're going to do in this hour, we're down here in North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, to be specific, at the semi-annual APNC conference. That's the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. And in this hour, we're going to give you some excerpts from two very interesting plenary sessions, one by Cynthia Moreno-Tui, and she's one of the leaders and legends in this field. She did a presentation updating professionals on advocacy and treatment issues, and I think you'll find it very interesting. And then we will round out the hour with a little more from Killian No. She also gave a keynote presentation at the APNC conference, and she's a delightful gal with a lot of interesting things to say. So sit back and enjoy our number two of Recovery Coast to Coast. I lie to all my friends. I mean, I look right at my kids and lie to them. I make excuses to my family. I make excuses to the people at work. I hide the truth from everyone. Cover up at family holidays. You know, act as if everything's okay. Pretend I'm happy. Every day, I deceive everyone close to me. This man isn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. He's just addicted to covering up for someone who is. He thinks it helps, but it doesn't. Find out what does. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? There is help and hope at Sundown M Ranch. 
At Sundown, the focus is on you and your disease. You will learn how to live without depending on drugs and alcohol. Sundown M Ranch is nationally recognized for effective and affordable alcohol and drug treatment programs. Reclaim your life. Replace your fears with hope. Go to www.sundown.org right now to learn more. Reason number 22 to switch to Geico. We think renters are cool. Now, we don't know if you were born cool or if it's just all the cool stuff you have in your apartment. The point is, if you want to protect your considerable coolness, ask Geico about renters insurance. For as little as $12 a month, you can protect all the stuff you hold near and dear, including that combination flat-screen TV espresso machine. Now that is cool. For a fast, easy rate quote on renter's insurance, visit geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. Our next exercise, killing spider in bathroom. As you hear your wife scream, begin with a light jog, then run to bathroom. Four, three, two, one. Find spider on wall and squat and squash. Squat and squash. Spider lunges at you. Now scream like a schoolgirl. Good. And sprint. Now run. Life is exercise. Snickers Marathon is energy. Great tasting, nutritious, long lasting energy for the demands of your day. Grab a Snickers Marathon in the energy bar aisle. Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Today is the day. Think earlier. Brew Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Yeah, I've been drunk in the last 30 days. And how old are you? 13. Do your parents know? No. In Washington, one in six eighth graders used alcohol in the past month. We can keep kids alcohol-free if we start talking now. About how many times have you had five or more drinks in a row this month? Maybe three. And how old are you? Fifteen. For more information, visit StartTalkingNow.org. That's StartTalkingNow.org. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast. Neil Scott here in Asheville, North Carolina. And as promised... Here's an excerpt from Cynthia Marino Tui's plenary session where she talks about professional development and recovery advocacy. You know, we talk about being the voice of the profession. We've been the voice for 46 years. We're going to continue to be the voice. We work with other associations to help support that. The bigger voice we have, the better. Because when you look at the medical field that we're integrating into, we're this big on the pie chart of the whole pie chart. We're this big. So we're a very small sliver of care. But we're getting a lot of attention right now because of the opioid epidemic and because of the brokering of clients and the abuse of clients. So we, we want to be able to get that recognition in a positive way. And that's what we work on is to help them to see the positive way. So um, to help build the workforce, inform the workforce, train the workforce. We, uh, and some of you have seen these different things, and I'm just gonna, because some of you are visual learners, I'm gonna, I like to show and tell. So this just came out in October. This is counseling theory and methods that are mental health and addiction specific. What are the counseling theories? You know, when we do, national testing and state testing, one of the things we see is people, well, how many of you 
forgot what you learned. Anybody? All the different theories. What did Glasser do? What was his main thing? You know, most of us remember Freud, right? But what did, yeah, and what did Jung do? And what, so theory is, a, is often one of those things we don't retain in our brain. So one of the things that we do now with NASAC colleges is that we allow them to test for the credentials at the, after they've graduated from their program, whether it's a one-year, two-year, four-year master's. Because when is your brain the freshest? When you've completed your study. I don't know about you, how many of you didn't take your test till two or three years after your studies, when you got your experience? Yeah. And by that time, I'd forgotten some of that information because you don't use it day to day. You use the methodology, right? You don't use the theory every day. No, you're not sitting in a clinical supervision and saying, well, I just did gestalt in my individual appointment. No, you're not talking like that, right? So you're not retaining that in your brain. Again, if the brain, the brain um, pathway isn't massaged regularly, you're going to lose that information. So that's why now we're testing at, at the colleges when they graduate, and then they hold those scores until they get their experience. That has made a huge difference. Because how demoralizing is it to take your test two years, three years later after you get your hours and you fail? It's very demoralizing. And people, some people say, I'm not, I'm not doing this work. They can't pass the test. Or they can't get a job. This is just hot off the press. It just came out last uh, Friday. So today's Wednesday. This is the new pharmacology book that now is really annotated with pictures because you know we are what are we were visual learners is kinesthetic and it's got some of the history of physiology pharmacology it's got the brand new slides on the brain from NIDA and it really talks about the pharmacology and physiology of addiction so um, people use this to help clients understand as well as they study, you know, for the tests, and they use it in the colleges, but they use it for their clients to understand this is a brain disease, and you can recover from this brain disease. It's not a moral implication. We all know that. I don't need to preach to the choir about that. We'll have a new ethics manual coming out in about two weeks, two to three weeks, with a full code of ethics and, and um, case studies. And then, how many of you are using SBIRT in your work? few of you. This is the other big wave. Um, the SBIRT is what? Screening, brief, intervention, referral to treatment. Those are is what SBIRT stands for. And there's a lot of money coming out and has come out for SBIRT. I don't know what the future holds for SBIRT, but what they're doing is this is an integrated care, and they're hiring people in hospitals to do SBIRT screenings. This manual puts together what is SBIRT, how do you do SBIRT screening with motivational interviewing so that people are using both of those skill sets. <clears throat> and so we train this as well, but it's, it's also for people's um, use. And then, of course, we do the DOT. How many of you are SAPs, substance abuse professionals that do the DOT? So this is the other area that's going to grow because of the opioid crisis and the alcohol and the coming 
tsunami, so those of you that are SAPs, people that work for depart or have a connection with Department of Transportation, flight, um, ships, trucks, vans, trains, all of, all of those people that work in that industry are under Department of Transportation so that if they have an alcohol or drug-related incident, then they have to go see an SAP, Substance Abuse Professional, and get assessed. If you're a Substance Abuse Professional, you have to hold uh, a national credential in order to be a Substance Abuse Professional. So this is a growth area. So if you're looking, saying, oh, I'm getting tired of doing this or that, you want a new area. Some people just do a whole business with uh, SAP DOTs. So training is a big deal. That was one of the top uh, five in that report. Clinical supervision <clears throat> was three, and standardized training was number four with integrated curricula. So this is integrated curricula. This is integrated curricula. So it's important the, um, the clinical work that we wrote with that night, a research project for uh, counseling skills on how to change the brain, conflict resolution recovery. I like to call it romancing the brain. I like that, romance. Doesn't that sound better than conflict resolution and recovery and relapse prevention? Okay, they always want these long titles. I like romancing the brain. Or I wrote a book from that for the public called Rain in Your Brain, because we know that we have to have self-management of our brain if we're going to change it. So those are the kind of things NADAC is working on the standardized training. Number four was standardized training. And number five was to increase medicated-assisted treatment. NADAC doesn't call it medicated-assisted treatment alone. We call it medicated-assisted treatment and recovery. Because we don't want to leave out the counseling, right? Because we know that the, the real change in the brain, the long-term change in the brain, even with medication, it helps the brain to get there for some people. But it is not the end all. Your work as a counselor doing CBT and other methodology is what's changing those brain pathways for long term. And that's the message that we get to Congress. Because a lot of people think, oh, we just give medication and they'll be okay. We say, yeah, for those that it's appropriate for give them the appropriate medication, and give them counseling. Because the damage that happens in addiction, as you know, is not short-term. You have long-term damage that has to be addressed if we're going to change family patterns. It's shared with you, I come from a family of addiction. I lived in over 40 homes growing up because of my mother's drug addiction, my father's alcoholism. And my brain was screwed up, pretty screwed up, by the time I graduated or was hoping to graduate from high school. And what I learned is if I did not want to repeat the physical abuse, malnutrition, the sexual abuse that I incurred growing up, I was going to have to change my brain because statistically, what do people who've been abused do? Abuse. They abuse their children. People who've been sexually abused, what do they do? They sexually abuse other people. Maybe not their children, maybe other people. And I was scared to death. I said, oh, I want to be one of those. I want to be something different. I want to change. I want to make a difference. I don't want to just make a difference in my family. 
You know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of an idealist. So you go from the street to recovery and you become a little bit of an idealist. And people say, well, why do you keep on those rose-colored glasses? And I say, because I prefer it. I've seen the other side. I've been near death several times. I have been through that process. I prefer rose-colored glasses. And that's how you keep sometimes doing this work. Because you see that there's an end thing. What's the end thing? Healthier families. Healthier people. Happier people. So the other thing NADAC does is the approved provider, education provider program for uh, colleges and for uh, training programs across the country. How many in here are not NADAC approved provider, education provider? Anybody? Okay, so we have a, a couple of you in the room. So they go through a process of review to make sure that their content is current and ethical and meets the TAP 21 and that they can say, I'm a, I am a um, gold seal of approval training provider. And so you just saw who some of yours were in the room. We have over 400, not just across this country, but across the, the uh, including in other countries. So professional development, we talked a little bit about that. We're spending a lot of time writing curricula. We have a new co-occurring manual coming out in the next few months as well. What do you need to know about co-occurring? What are co-occurring disorders? What are those major theories that you need to understand? How is it implicated in the addiction counseling? So that you're doing the mental health counseling with the addiction counseling. We have our annual conference. This will be like our 40-something annual conference. Um, this year in Houston, we do them across the country. We also do regional training and then skill-specific trainings. Anybody want to go to Maui with me? So doing that training that we just that I was just talking about on how to, for clinicians on how to train the brain, we're doing it in six different areas across the country. Uh, the, the intensive training is two days. And then for people who want to be trainers, this third day, the first training is in Maui in uh, May. So anybody can come from across the globe to that training. Um, but we do these kinds of skill-based trainings. We're doing a one-day uh, co-occurring in Nebraska in June. Um, we'll be doing another one-day co-occurring in Oklahoma. So Dr. Tom Durham, who is the author, one of the authors of that book, will be doing that. So look on our website, you'll see we're doing uh, different intensive trainings to help counselors get that intensive training that they need. How many of you listen to our webinars? So if you're an APNC member, you get free CEs. Not only everybody gets to listen to the webinar, but if you're not an APNC member, you don't get free CEs. There are now, this is actually, we haven't updated this yet, there are over 140 hours of training. We will be adding 36 more hours just this year. And you've got national trainers, um, training on everything that's the latest in mental health, in substance use disorder, in peer recovery. We do a, um, how many of you heard of our national peer recovery test exempt offer that we have out right now? Some of you may have heard of that. So we do a series that we did for SAMHSA on recovery to practice. And recovery to practice is all about what are peer supports, 
individually, family, and community, uh, William White does three of the webinars. So it's 14 and a half hours of webinars on recovery and recovery to practice and how do you do that. And that, and people can get a certificate in recovery to practice. If you're a member of APNC, it doesn't cost you any money. So there are some benefits, real benefits, to being an APNC member that help you to grow. I think every addiction counselor, no matter how long you've been doing this work, listen to some of those tapes because or webinars, because it will help you frame your conversation with other people. You can use that in your uh, IOP programs, in your outpatient programs, in your training, in your clinical supervision. So everything that we do that's out there for you to use, you can use that. You don't, we want you to use that. We want you to help grow and educate the field so that people go, oh, well these people, they know what's going on. Um, we also have an online calendar of events. So all the events that um, come to us, like this event is on our national calendar, the APNC conference, you'll see other trainings on the national calendar. So we're not just doing this in the U.S. Actually, um, NADAC and our certification system works with, has worked with the federal government to bring uh, standardized training in other countries. The World Health Organization says the biggest health problem worldwide is what? Addiction. Yeah, so um, the International Narcotic Law and Drug Enforcement, INL for short, contracted with us to put together training programs internationally, train people in those countries, and then they become the trainers and they and, and start up the certification system. Our first country was Kenya, and um, today, that was about four or five years, five years ago, today Kenya has over 300 trained and certified addiction professionals. And that they have trained them and supervised them themselves. So we worked with the Kenya government. It is the world's biggest issue. These are just some of the, the well, you can see, there's a lot of different countries. I couldn't put them all up there. A lot of different countries we've worked with. Some communist countries and some uh, free countries as well. You're listening to Cynthia Moreno-Tui, excerpts from a plenary session that was presented at the APNC conference in Asheville, North Carolina. We're down here in North Carolina. APNC is the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. It's a great conference, probably 250 people here, a lot of exhibitors, a lot of sponsors, a lot of energy. These people are just awesome down here and a lot of great treatment programs great recovery communities. We're going to get back to Cynthia Marino too shortly, but we're going to take a short break, bring you a couple of messages, and then come back on the other side and finish up with comments from Cynthia Marino too Now join the new Diet 7-Up Taste Challenge already in progress. Okay, I want you all to try this, and then just say the first thing that pops in your head. Amazing. Yeah. Mm, totally. Mm, there's more flavor. Yeah, more natural flavor. Mm-hmm. More lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, you're both right. There's more natural lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, the lemon-lime flavor is totally zesty. Zingy. Zippy. With zero calories. What is it? Yeah. New Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up is new? Yeah, it's been totally reinvented with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. It's totally refreshing. I love I know. it. No. Uh, and it's diet, too. And where's the aftertaste? Now, yeah. that is refreshing. <laughs> Here's to more flavor in our lives. <laughs> 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 Try new Diet 7-Up. 
Diet 7-Up, now with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. Diet 7-Up, totally reinvented, totally refreshing. Stop in to your nearest grocery or convenience store today and pick up the new Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up has been totally reinvented and still has zero calories. Taste the new refreshing burst of lemon-lime flavors in Diet 7-Up today. We wasted a lot of years hoping, praying for things to get better. I was desperate to save our family. That's when I made the contact. She contacted Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized alcohol and drug treatment program teaches family members how to break down the barriers of denial. They are taught the skills needed to deal with addiction as a family. Now we're making up for lost time. It was the best contact I ever made. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. You're listening to Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. We are down here in Asheville, North Carolina, APNC.org. That's the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. Great group of people, great conference going on. And uh, Cynthia Marino Tui gave one of the plenary sessions uh, here to start the conference. And here are some more of her remarks. This is the Minority Fellowship uh, Program for Addiction Counselors and Behavioral Health Professionals. This is that money that I was talking about that were scholarships. And so people get up to $15,000 of scholarship money to go to college. And this is not just for minorities. It's people who want to work with minorities and support minorities in their recovery. Because what we have found is we don't have enough people that are minorities, first of all, working in this field. And secondly, people who may not be a minority but care to work with minorities. So we we need more uh, minority-focused professionals. If you're one of those people, and you don't have your master's yet, this is a program for you. If you have your bachelor's and you don't have your master's yet, this is a great program for you. We're still trying to get money for people who have a two-year degree but don't have a bachelor's. That's, this is a hard sell in Washington, D.C. But maybe with the opioid crisis, maybe we can get that through. That's my hope. It took eight years for master's. It may take us you know, eight more years for bachelor's, but we're not going to give up on that. Um, so this basically talks about what I just talked to you about in terms of the national scope of practice, national licensure, standardized curricula, the um, National Addiction Studies Accreditation Commission. In fact, the most reimbursed, this is about our uh, national credentials, the most reimbursed credential in the United States for addiction practice is the MAC. How many of you have a MAC? How many in this room have a MAC? So it is the most recognized and most reimbursed. It's master level addiction counselor. We share it with NBCC, the National Board of Certified Counselors, which are general counselors. And the reason why it, one of the reasons why it is, oh, and that wasn't our study. That was SAMHSA's study to the United Behavioral Health Care Organization. And what they did is they did a study. They, they're the national group over many of the managed care organizations, preferred provider, behavioral health provider, payer organizations, and they did this study, and that's what they learned. And that's why I can say this is the most reimbursed credential in the United States, because they don't have to wonder, do you have the, is a MAC the same in Washington State as it is in North Carolina, as it is in Texas, as it is in New York? Um, this is that conflict resolution, recovery, relapse prevention. I like to call it romancing the brain. This is what that looks like. Uh, we also do trainer um, certificates in this program. 
We do a lot of outreach to students and new professionals. So we've had a contract with SAMHSA the last three years to do workforce forums in different states across the country. And the single state authority director uh, bids to have the conference in one of those workforce forums in their state. And we just came from New Mexico this weekend. We did a forum in Saturday in New Mexico. We did one in Mississippi last month. We'll be in um, Minnesota next month. And in July, we'll be in Illinois. And what it is, it's a forum done um, bringing in high school students and college students who, who want to learn what, is it, what would it be like to be an addiction counselor. So we're, we're giving them information. We're encouraging them. We're having them to identify with this career. And we know that branding is important. We start at the college level. What we learned is that you know sometimes that's too late. We need to start in high school. So that's what we're doing. So we've been working, as, you, as I've talked about, the salary and benefits for the field. We're going to continue to work on that since that's the number one issue across the United States. We've been in discussions with SAMHSA and HRSA and the SSAs, and it, it's uh, and also about loan forgiveness. So we have a new bill that is authored by uh, Hal Rogers. He's out a senator out of Kentucky for workforce um, initiative for addiction counselors uh, for loan forgiveness programs. So we're working every angle that we can work to bring up uh, more funding for the addiction workforce. It is one of the hugest issues. We do a lot of public engagement. I won't go over each of these. This gives you just an idea about some of the public engagement that we're doing. Some of our partners uh, doing that, national groups, um, our advocacy efforts. I talked a little bit about that. We're working on 18 different bills in Congress right now. And there's some bills that we're not supporting because they don't support the addiction work or workforce. So there's about 18 different bills right now in Congress. We work at the state level, too. So um, there's been some states that have had uh, alcohol excise tax um, bills. And we've gone in and to support those alcohol excise tax. So that part of that money goes for treatment in states that have recreational marijuana or medical marijuana. We've said, what are you doing? What percentage of money are you giving to treatment as a result of this? What percentage of money are you giving to research as a result of your, your uh, allowing this in your state? So think about what, what are the areas that are affecting your state and what bills could you be thinking about or asking legislators to support? Compensation, loan forgiveness, those are two big areas that every state can be working on. How many of you get Medicaid reimbursement? Anybody? Big issue. Big issue. We've met with the feds on Medicaid. It's a state issue. So your state, your insurance commissioner, can make a decision about how they use Medicaid money federally. And, and uh, at this point, when a state first starts using Medicaid money, the federal government gives 100%. Five years later, they only give 80%. Well, give me 80% of my bill it's taken care of, right? So that I can treat the opioid addiction or the marijuana or the alcohol addictions in my state. So it's an issue that we're addressing nationally, letting states know it's a state-dependent issue. We're doing what we can at the federal level. You, your state has to decide what it wants to do. We've been doing advocacy now for 30 years. 
um, and um, and we have an advocacy conference, specialized advocacy conference. This year it'll be uh, November. It'll kick off the evening of November 11th, which is Veterans Day. We'll be talking about veterans issues, military issues, recovery, um, and treatment issues. And then uh, briefings on the 12th of November, and then visits to Capitol Hill on the 13th. So look for that on our website. We'll be doing it again in April. A lot of education to the public magazine. You'll see those out on, on the uh, APNC and NADAC table. A lot of public education. How many of you are getting the weekly newsletter comes out, the e-news? If you're not getting it, please sign up for it. It will tell you what's going on across the country. Um, so that we have a weekly e-professional update, and then we have a bi-weekly e-news, research, what's coming out, who's who at the zoo, that kind of thing. Um, so, sorry? Medicare is a tough one. We're, we're not going to, that, that, Medicaid is tough. Medicare is tougher. So I want to break the, yeah, I want to break the glass on Medicaid. But Medicare is, well, I need another 10 years probably to get that one through. But, you know, that's how it starts. You, 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 you don't give up. You're tenacious. You know, that's one thing I learned on the street is you just don't give up. You don't give up. Yeah, you, you never give up. <clears throat> so these are some of our congressional partners that we work with. I've talked a little bit about professional uh, services and professional development. That's just the list. These are some of the products. You'll see some of those out here. I brought some of those here. Um, a lot of strategic alliances that we do. Uh, we're involved with other addiction uh, public policy, addiction and behavioral health public policy groups. We, we participate in like national councils for behavioral health. Um, we're one of their partners for their uh, government relations or their public policy conference. We work with them on other things. I'll be presenting Monday on the recovery to practice at their conference, on the uh, recovery to practice uh, program at their conference. So we do a lot of work with other groups. And NADAC itself, we do a lot of advocacy. And we're actually, we're doing so much in that area that we're now, um, it's funny, I, I, I have not been able to, what's the word when you multiply yourself? Clone. I've not been able to clone myself. So now we're looking at hiring a, a firm to do some of the advocacy work because there's so much going on in Washington, D.C. now, that um, uh, two of us that are doing some of that work right now, we can't be everywhere. This is the approved provider program I spoke about. Uh, this is uh, the NERF. So we have a had this since the um, 80s, which is uh, the Education Research Foundation. It's a 501c3. People can donate to it. Last year, this program donated scholarships for registrations to the National Council, to the National NADAC's National Conference, to the tune of $47,000. So when you see that ad, that ad is out now, yay, yeah, thank you. We now have out, if you're looking for a scholarship for registration for the National Conference, that uh, application is out on our website. So we're, we, um, we're, we're dedicating real money 
for counselors to be able to come to the national conference and listen to not only you know great uh, speakers, Carlo Di Clemente will be with us this year, Dr. Anaba, who wrote Uppers, Downers, All-Arounders. Um, I don't remember all of them off the top of Dr. Bob Ackerman, who family and recovery, uh, been around 40-some years doing training. Um, you'll see your leadership there. I'll be there. Um, we want people there. We're giving scholarships. We can't pay transportation. We can't pay a hotel, but we'll pay your registration. And, you know, buddy up. Share a room with somebody, you know. No, I'm not kidding. That's how, we, when I started in the field, you never had money to go to a conference, right? You always slept with a group of, well, for me, a group of women. Um, no offense, guys, but I don't like somebody looking at me first thing in the morning. Sorry. <laughs> oh, TMI, TMI, sorry, sorry. A race. Okay. Still in recovery. Communicate the mission. We're always communicating the mission. Communicate, communicate, communicate. That's part of advocacy. These are some of our initiatives. We do a great social media campaign. In fact, uh, this conference is being tweeted on social media, will be tweeted on social media. We have our national magazine. Uh, we have position papers and white papers. So we're, we're always communicating the mission. What's in the pipeline? Well, um, winter we came out with, with this new edition of Counseling Theory and Methods. This uh, spring we just came out with this. Shortly we'll come out with the, so pharmacology, shortly we'll come out with ethics. Then that will be followed by co-occurring disorders. And then that will be followed by clinical supervision. So continuous uh, it, um, education. Uh, we'll have a new conflict. We'll be updating the conflict resolution for recovery. We have the peer recovery support specialist test, test exemption till December. And how many of you know that we're doing with ATUD a smoking cessation national certificate? Some of you know about that. So this is the next wave as well is smoking cessation. I know it's not popular with some people, but it is the wave of the future. So if you're not doing or if you're not looking into smoking cessation as part of your treatment program, it will be coming. There will be reimbursement. We are now, um, people that are going through Etudes tobacco training now can apply for a national certificate in smoking cessation. So look for that. That's going to be another big way for us. Find me on the website. I'm real easy breezy in terms of my email address, Cynthia at nadac.org. People don't remember Morano Tui. I don't remember it either. So, no, I'm teasing. Uh, it's a handful to remember. You've been listening to an excerpt from the plenary session by Cynthia Marino Tui at the APNC Addiction Professionals of North Carolina Conference here in Asheville, North Carolina. A short time off for some messages, then back on the other side with some more of Killian No. She also had a plenary session at the APNC conference. We now join the new Diet 7-Up Taste Challenge already in progress. Okay, I want you all to try this and then just say the first thing that pops in your head. 
Amazing. Yeah. Mm, totally. <laughs> There's more flavor. Yeah, more natural flavor. Mm -hmm. More lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, you're both right. There's more natural lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, the lemon-lime flavor is totally... Zesty. Zingy. Zippy. With zero calories. What is it? Yeah. New Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up is new? Yeah, it's been totally reinvented with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. It's totally refreshing. I love I know. it. No. Uh, and it's diet, too. And where's the aftertaste? Now, yeah. that is refreshing. <laughs> Here's to more flavor in our lives. <laughs> Try new Diet 7-Up, now with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. Diet 7-Up, totally reinvented, totally refreshing. Stop in to your nearest grocery or convenience store today and pick up the new Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up has been totally reinvented and still has zero calories. Taste the new refreshing burst of lemon-lime flavors in Diet 7-Up today. We wasted a lot of years hoping, praying for things to get better. I was desperate to save our family. That's when I made the contact. She contacted Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized alcohol and drug treatment program teaches family members how to break down the barriers of denial. They are taught the skills needed to deal with addiction as a family. Now we're making up for lost time. It was the best contact I ever made. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast. Neil Scott with you from Asheville, North Carolina. You just heard Cynthia Moreno-Tui, who is one of the plenary presenters here at the conference. And uh, in our first show, we, we shared with you some remarks by Killian No. Killian No is the founder of the Recovery Cafe in Seattle, Washington. I'd like to close out our program with, with a few more remarks from Killian No, an amazing woman, an amazing advocate for recovery. Here is... Killian No, with excerpts from her plenary session at the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina Conference. One of my favorite stories took place here in Western North Carolina. It was a time when my sister Lynn, who is here today and lives in Hendersonville and has brought my mother, Betty, who is, has just celebrated her 90th birthday. But um, my sister Lynn and my husband Bernie and I were whitewater rafting down the Natahala River, which is not too far from here, and we failed to maneuver our boat properly down this six-foot drop in the river, and we were all thrown from the boat. Lynn managed to make it to the riverbank, but Bernie and I found ourselves in the fast rapids heading toward the dangerous and sometimes deadly Wesser Falls, which we had been warned about during the orientation. Have any of you been to down the Natahela? So you probably attended that orientation. Several people frantically yelled from the riverbank, we will drop ropes from the overpass one mile downriver. I heard their instructions, but my overwhelming instinct was to get myself out of that river. So I kept putting my feet down and then getting knocked over by the strong current, all the while becoming more and more exhausted. Finally, I managed to catch a glimpse of my husband Bernie's head 
bobbing in the white caps. And I was struck by the look on his face. It was so serene. Like he was actually enjoying the ride. Eventually, the lifelines were dropped from the overpass, as promised, and we were pulled to solid ground. Later, I asked Bernie, Bernie, how did you manage to be such a Zen master when heading toward dangerous waterfalls? Bernie said, I wasn't paying attention during the orientation. I had no idea we were headed toward a dangerous waterfall. <laughs> so I just want to confess right up front. There is nothing, nothing that I can say to a room full of addiction professionals like you that you do not already know. Just want to get that right out on the table. So what I would like to do in these next few moments with you is simply remind us all of some of the lifelines or commitments needed to help pull our nation to more solid ground. I'd like to simply remind us all of some of the lifelines or commitments we must fight for on behalf of those coming down the river behind us headed toward deadly falls. Lifeline number one, long-term healing communities. Of course we need prevention. Of course, we need treatment available on demand, but we also need to create healing communities that provide long-term recovery support. We need communities in which people can build on the foundation that was laid in treatment. We need loving, healing, intentional communities of belonging in every single city and town across this nation. As you heard in the kind introduction, I have spent the last 35 years of my life, along with countless others, seeking to create such communities. And at the heart of these structures, is the practice of and commitment to loving accountability. You're listening to Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery, and the remarks of Killian Noe as part of her plenary session at the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina Conference in Asheville, North Carolina. We're going to take one more break, a couple of messages, and then we'll be back and wrap things up. I lie to all my friends. I mean, I look right at my kids and lie to them. I make excuses to my family. I make excuses to the people at work. I hide the truth from everyone. Cover up at family holidays, you know, act as if everything's okay, pretend I'm happy. Every day, I deceive everyone close to me. This man isn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. He's just addicted to covering up for someone who is. He thinks it helps, but it doesn't. Find out what does. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? 
There is help and hope at Sundown M Ranch. At Sundown, the focus is on you and your disease. You will learn how to live without depending on drugs and alcohol. Sundown M Ranch is nationally recognized for effective and affordable alcohol and drug treatment programs. Reclaim your life. Replace your fears with hope. Go to www.sundown.org right now to learn more. Reason number 22 to switch to Geico. We think renters are cool. Now, we don't know if you were born cool or if it's just all the cool stuff you have in your apartment. The point is, if you want to protect your considerable coolness, ask Geico about renter's insurance. For as little as $12 a month, you can protect all the stuff you hold near and dear, including that combination flat-screen TV espresso machine. Now that is cool. For a fast, easy rate quote on renter's insurance, visit geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. Our next exercise, killing spider in bathroom. As you hear your wife scream, begin with a light jog, then run to bathroom. Four, three, two, one. Find spider on wall and squat and squash. Squat and squash. Spider lunges at you. Now scream like a schoolgirl. Good. And sprint. Now run. Life is exercise. Snickers Marathon is energy. Great tasting, nutritious, long lasting energy for the demands of your day. Grab a Snickers Marathon in the energy bar aisle. Aha! <laughs> Think earlier. Brew Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Today is the day. Think earlier. Brew Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Yeah, I've been drunk in the last 30 days. And how old are you? 13. Do your parents know? No. In Washington, one in six eighth graders used alcohol in the past month. We can keep kids alcohol-free if we start talking now. About how many times have you had five or more drinks in a row this month? Maybe three. And how old are you? Fifteen. For more information, visit StartTalkingNow.org. That's StartTalkingNow.org. I'm Neil Scott, Recovery Coast to Coast, on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Killian No is certainly talking about recovery. Comments from her plenary session at the APNC conference, the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. We continue now with Killian No. I used to think of accountability as something punitive. But I have come to believe that loving accountability or, or accountability is the most loving thing we can do for another person. The most loving thing we can do for each other. Thomas Merton, one of the greatest spiritual writers of the 20th century, wrote, If you want to identify me, don't ask me where I live or what I like to eat, or how I comb my hair. But ask me, what is the thing I am living for? And what keeps me from fully living for that thing? We all know that we cannot be transformed or set free from the thing that keeps us from fully living until we face our own brokenness in the context of loving community. And we know 
what does not get transformed gets transmitted. So we need structures of accountability where we are both deeply known and loved and where we practice honesty and forgiveness. At Recovery Cafe, we call these structures recovery circles. And we call the individuals we serve members. We use the term members because members expresses belonging. What we all need. One member said, my recovery circle keeps me true to myself so I can be true to others. One day, a newcomer to my recovery circle shared, for the past 20 years, I have met my dealer every morning at 9 o'clock without skipping a beat, a much older, physically frail member of the circle replied, tomorrow morning, you'll meet me at 9 o'clock. That's loving accountability. That's what happens when we allow ourselves to be deeply known and loved. A couple of years ago, James Finley, a mystic and psychotherapist, led a retreat at Recovery Cafe called Transforming Trauma. Finley was a monk in the Gethsemane Trappist Monastery in Kentucky for six years. And to his great fortune, Thomas Merton was his spiritual director. Finley told us the story of a group he observed at an inpatient treatment center during his training to be a psychotherapist. One of the participants in the group asked a newcomer to the group, what do you love more than anything? The newcomer said, well, I love my wife more than anything. To which the men in the group responded respectfully and in unison, bull crap. Only they used a different word for crap. I cleaned it up a little. Another man asked the same question of the newcomer. What do you love more than anything? This time, the newcomer said, I love my children more than anything. To which the men in the group responded, respectfully, in unison, bull crap. They continued asking the newcomer the same question until the newcomer finally answered, I love alcohol more than anything. At that point, the members of the group surrounded him, embraced him, and expressed unconditional love and support. The newcomer began to cry. It was in that moment of making himself truly vulnerable and deeply known that healing began in earnest 
in his life. You've been listening to excerpts from two plenary sessions from the APNC conference in Asheville, North Carolina. Killian No, who is the founder of the Recovery Cafe movement, started in Seattle, Washington, now spreading all around the country. And of course, uh, Cynthia Marino Tui, who is the executive director of NADAC in Washington, D.C. Also want to thank in our first hour, our delightful guests, Shannon Egan from the state of Utah, Michael Carroll, who is the business development manager of Treatment Management Behavioral Health, and Heather Panapinto. Of course, we also want to thank all of the staff and the board of the APNC, the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina, their executive director who joined us in the first show. That's Donald McDonald. And, of course, Tony Beatty is the president of APNC, and the vice president is Jessica Holton. Good people doing good things and making a great, great difference in the state of North Carolina. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. We have been delighted and honored to be invited to be a part of this down here in Asheville, North Carolina, the semi-annual conference for APNC. Until next time, we thank you for joining us, and we remind you that the bright side of addiction is indeed recovery. Pass it on. Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air, five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We'll see you next time on Recovery Coast to Coast. Some final thoughts tonight from Dick Van Dyke and Julie Harris as we close out the program. It is with disease of the mind as with those of the body. We are half dead before we understand our disorder and half cured when we do. Charles Caleb Colton. Soon after I began my recovery from alcoholism, I was flooded with feelings of guilt and remorse for the things I had done while practicing my addiction. I felt deep and genuine regret for my behavior and the harm it had caused. In addition, I was almost obsessively determined to make up for my past wrongs to others, for lost time, lost opportunities, and lost affection. No less painful was my self-indulgent conviction that I had been so bad for so long that I would never be able to redeem myself. One night, all that changed for me. I heard another recovering alcoholic describe feelings that were identical to my own. Those feelings almost drove him back to the bottle, he said. I realized just in time, he emphasized, that the things I did while drinking were symptoms of my disease. I had to decide once and for all whether my alcoholism is in fact a treatable disease or an unforgivable sin. I have long, long since stopped punishing myself for having a disease, regardless of old ideas or outside pressures that briefly surface from time to time. I do what is right and good because it is right and good, not out of guilt or a need to make up for past wrongs. Thought for today, I am not a bad person getting good, but a sick person getting well. We can't help being a little embarrassed when we remember how the need for approval controlled our lives. It influenced our thoughts, opinions, and just about everything we did. The need to be liked, admired, respected, and accepted by everyone was one of the hardest things to let go of in recovery, and for good reason. We had been that way all of our lives. We were fragile, fearful, and insecure. 
We needed all the strokes we could get. In fact, we depended on them for what little self-esteem we had. Building self-esteem from within rather than from the outside, that remains a primary challenge in recovery. We try to do what is right for us, to make choices based on our own personal wants, likes, and needs, from clothing styles to career decisions. We try to know and be ourselves. To make all of that possible, we've had to really concentrate on letting go of the idea that we're not okay unless we have the approval of others. Come to think of it, outside approval never made any real difference in our lives. Inside approval, on the other hand, has made all of the difference. Thought for today, I will release myself from the illusion that I need other people's approval to be happy. been listening to Recovery Coast to Coast, a program feature of the Nonprofit Alliance for Recovery. Recovery Coast to Coast is heard nightly from 10 p.m. till midnight Pacific time, Monday through Friday, from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and heard in streaming audio. For information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org, where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows, as well as find information on upcoming programs. Please join us next time when we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. The bright side of addiction is recovery.